Katie Chipper. And I'm Jen Northington. And this is Tar Valen or Bust, a Wheel of Time podcast. The world is strange and all things change. <laughs> Which is page from page 144 of The Dragon Reborn. And it's Varen who says it. I mean, talk about a truth. <laughs> Far too real, one might say. <laughs> That was my first thought. Well, as you might know, we are rereading the Wheel of Time books in advance of the TV show adaptations release. We're talking about our favorite and not so favorite moments and digging into all things Wheel of Time. And today, before we dive into our chapters, (laughs) we are so excited to be talking about the teaser that uh, Wheel of Time on Prime dropped for Lan. Play, but you should, I wish you could see the face that Preeti is making right now. (laughs) Oh, my sweet Daniel Henny. I'm so excited. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we could not have been more excited when they announced that Daniel Henny was playing Lan and Mm -hmm. then to see, I mean, it is six seconds. It's like the shortest thing in the world. And it's just one line of him saying, you think, you know, this world, you know, nothing. (laughs) And then doing a sword move. And that's it. Like that's the whole thing. But it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter. He looks fantastic. He looks great. I'm super excited about him being Lan. I can't wait. Yeah, it's like Daniel Hetty, come on our podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah, we we already put the tweet out. <laughs> we'll see if he responds. Probably not. But you never, you no. don't. Yeah, you, you got to ask. So uh, that's true. They can't say no if you don't ask. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it's. We'll leave a link to the tweet in the show notes. But I think our our take is just yes. Is yes. our take correct? Our take is. Correct. (laughs) Um, And now for way less talk of Lan. Oh, yeah. Um, So we're going to kick off with chapter nine, which is, you guessed it, more Aaron. But But it's the only one. (laughs) It's the only chapter, but also it is, I think, the most exciting Perrin chapter we've had, personally a low bar but yes (laughs) it is but so it kicks off right after he's had this experience of seeing what happened to uh what's that dude's name gnome Gnome. to gnome completely losing himself to like the wolf side and he (laughs) he decides that he's gonna talk to moiraine and i this line for an instant all the old stories about eyes to die stirred again but he pushed them aside and opened the door and i was like freaking finally (laughs) i know I had an extremely similar reaction. I was like, yes. How do we get to book three? Like, can we not move past this? No, we will never move past it, ever. Apparently not. (laughs) Um, And so he, you know, kind of comes to Maureen with questions, obviously, because she is the most knowledgeable person that he knows. And he says, you know, I was worried about Rand, but I never considered that something might happen to me. You know, he, Matt, and Rand are all to there, and as, as has been made clear, so obviously things are going to go up and down for all three of them. Uh, and I kind of like this moment of Perrin just being like, I was so worried about my friend, I didn't consider my own kind of like 
status. And uh, it's just such a lovely little like parent moment to like remind you after all the slog, the first eight chapters about like what does make him such a great character and such a thoughtful, like steadfast character. Yeah. I also love this moment on page 124 when Moiraine says, knowing what Rand is, knowing how strongly Tavern he is, I've paid too little attention to the other two Tavern I found with him. Uh, and like she, you know, points out that like the, the odds of there being one in the two, in one village, much less three, mm-hmm. are ridiculous. And like, yeah, what part do Matt and Perrin have to play as opposed to just being like sidekicks for the chosen one? They're all chosen for something. Right. And we know what Rand has been chosen for. We don't know yet about Perrin and Matt. So I liked that moment as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually quite appreciated this entire sequence because it's him asking her for help and again we kind of see this like battle between you have to make your own choices but you are a part of the story you cannot choose to not be a part of the story because fate has dictated that you are but you have to make your choices yeah um also she's not being a bitch about chores at him which i appreciate she feels like moiraine again yeah i agree um and then parent has this kind of internal struggle of like I can't have a purpose if I forget who I am. And he says, will you help me? Which was really, I know. (laughs) Jen just clutched her heart because like, (laughs) yes. Um, But then it it goes back to like, what, what if it means her using the power? Like, will, would I rather forget, you know, help me from losing myself? And she kind of says like, I'll do whatever I can, but the war is the war. The war is what I am focused on. Which it's so funny because people tend to have this reaction to her saying that of like, oh, so you'll you'll put your struggle above me? Like, yeah, it's it's the world. She's playing the big game. She's, She's playing, playing the big game. The big, big game. And that's kind of like I feel like everyone responds in that way when she's like when she's straight up like, well, I have to deal with the war of the shadow. I'll do what I can, but that is the thing. And everyone's like, Mer. <laughs> like But what about me? And you're like, you're perspective right I mean I do I do think that there is the question of does the end justify the means right like I don't want to lose sight of Of because I that's obviously that's a thing I always think about but yes I agree with you it is her her perspective is the biggest perspective that we have on the page anyway yeah and like I feel like she is like she's clear about it it's not that she's making no you know she's making uh choices well she kind of is but I feel like it's the the lack of understanding on the other side's part that makes me frustrated because they don't necessarily recognize that big war as a thing that they also are going to have to deal with and what? that it's a valid thing for her to say everyone is in denial all the time about right? this. like constantly <sighs> in denial everybody's like if it's coming if this if that and she's right. just like y'all it's, no, it's here it's coming like the seals we're are doing breaking. it right now <laughs> so i think everybody's just deeply in denial uh okay but one thing but i wanted to point out that i appreciated too is we get some lore here yes because uh you know Perrin is telling her about these dreams and she is saying that she read this thing that 
was written by an Aes Sedai from the Age of Legends. And mm-hmm. apparently the way that the wolves communicate both with each other and with these special wolf brothers is related to the world of dreams. So that's why Perrin is having these dreaming experiences, which I, I love that reveal. Yeah, I liked I liked that a lot. I liked this notion of like, that's why his dreams feel different than Rand's. Um, because he is a more active player in these dreams. Clearly, as we see from kind of the most, I think one of the most horrifying dream sequences we've seen in these books, mm-hmm. you know, he falls asleep. There's like this minor light moment about the uncomfortable mattress, which was a little funny. Um, <laughs> but he does end up falling asleep and he hears Hopper, who died in the first book, which Hopper. like, I was like, Hopper, R.I.P. I know. Um, and he's confused because Hopper's dead and he doesn't understand, but Hopper is like, just keep running. And then there's this moment where he, this is like so grotesque and so awful. Like when he runs into this man who is wearing um, the these clothes that Perrin has never seen before and he, and he has an accent he hasn't heard. And the man is like, what are you doing here? And in the middle of that, like, the shadow comes and, like, pulls his skin off of his oh, body. so gross. Like, and then Perrin gets, like, spattered by the blood. Ugh. Like, ew. It's Nasty. so, so disgusting. And it's, like, these lines, like, he had no trouble recognizing a human skin, apparently whole and unbroken. And I was like, man, Robert Jordan, you were so good at, like, horror. <laughs> um. And then he goes to, I think what we are supposed to assume is Lanfear. Yep. yep. Right? right. Uh, which I kind of really loved this moment where he's like running through the walls and he gets there and he gets to, he's like trying to wake up and he can't. And he gets to this huge room with like no windows, but it's like beautifully furnished. And like Lanfear is standing in the middle of the room looking at a manuscript and she sees Perrin and she's like, what? <laughs> Like, get out. And then there's this great image of, like, the scene that he's seeing flattening and turning sideways and, like, kind of disappearing in this very animated sort of way. Yeah, it's very, like, remember when you used to turn off a TV and you would get that white, you know, on itself light? That's what I saw. Exactly. I could, like, perfectly picture it in, like, a 1980s, like, dark children's cartoon (laughs) right totally yeah and then hopper Perrin is you know trying to figure out how to wake up and hopper's like all right let me take care of this and like jumps at Perrin like he's gonna bite his throat and Mm -hmm. and then Perrin wakes up so that's apparently how to wake up in this situation is you have to be literally afraid for your life um and so then he's like i i did like this description of the way he tries to fall asleep, which is like he sits on the ground in his like underwear, basically. Um, and that that kind of half sleep that we all have sometimes where you're yeah. like not quite asleep, but you're not awake and it's definitely not restful. Uh, I just thought it was a really great ending to that sequence of the, but the bad dreams that came were better than some others. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> oh this is going to get real heavy real fast. And then we and get then... a rage seed. Which like... I think I think your thought about why we were not getting more Rand is borne out by this scene mm-hmm. because a lot of this would be a, a lot. lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was it was kind of the perfect amount, right? 
First of all, he sees the grim, which made me laugh very hard. Right. What? Okay. So, so I'm like, <laughs> what? What? What are these? What dogs are we what having are these now? Dogs like, that what are like... these dogs? <laughs> There's just, just like... suddenly dogs everywhere. Dogs like hunting him that we're supposed to just know what they are. It was very strange because, like, I was like, "Are you trying to say wolves are good and dogs are bad? Like, right. did, is there like a commentary on domestication of animals happening here <laughs> that I just don't understand?" <laughs> also, if I'm remembering correctly, he is using balefire. There's this, so he there's this dog that's maybe trying to kill him, and he he attacks it with uh, the power, and it's like a bar of white light that shoots out of him and then the the dog like becomes transparent as then and then is gone and i i am i wish i could i i feel like this is important like i feel like this is a thing that's going to come back but i can't remember the specifics so i'm just noting that i feel like this is an important (laughs) first use of a thing yeah, I think you're right. I was a little distracted by the the fact that he's using it on dogs. I was yeah. like, what is going on? Yeah, it it does not there's zero explanation about like and then he hears a second dog and a third dog and you're like, "Okay, but where who, what, who why? What? Yeah. But it does lend itself to so the way this passage goes is he's like getting hunted by these dogs and he's like, "I have to get to tear. I ha- if I'm the dragon, like I have to get there. I have to get there." either way it'll be an end if i am or if i'm not like that will be the end which uh, feels wrong but okay (laughs) um and then he says hunt me hunt me if you will i'm no easy meat no more uh and he keeps going and it ends with that same kind of italicized like reiterating hunt me i can hunt too i am no easy meat which comes back to this notion of Rand being considered less of a man and more of a thing Mm. it feels like like kind of uh, quite literally like objectifying him into something that is not a character and not a person. Like even here, he's referring to himself as me. Like it's, it's right. the diluting his humanism, like his humanization. Hmm. And so it's just really interesting to me how he's possibly, obviously this is like interpreting, but that kind of feels what, like what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And then finally! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we get back to chapter 10, Egwene Alvere. Which, okay, can I tell you, like, I love love Egwene so much, obviously. I love Nanae. I love Elaine. So much frustration with them in this chapter. But there was one moment where she's, you know, Egwene's like, she they're they're on the cusp of like about to be at her valon and they can see it in the distance, and she's like so thrilled to be able to see it again because she wants to get back to her study. She wants to be an Aes Sedai, but she's talking about how they were going to resume the testing to see if she's a dreamer. And I was like, if I was a Gwaine, I would be so furious if Perrin could just do it. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I had to go study and Perrin was just like naturally great at dreaming. (laughs) I was like, this is bullshit. Like <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I did not have that thought. <laughs> it was like the first thing I thought of when she said that because I was like, I would be so mad. Um, but we had a little bit more of her like connection to Rand, where he's she's like dreaming of him running, so we know that there's a connection there. Um, she's like just really thrilled to see 
Tarvalin. And I love this moment where she like thinks of Galad because that felt very natural to me. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't feel like the, oh, teen girls only think about boys. Right. But like she's thinking about, it, it felt like a natural progression of like dreaming her, her nightmares, thinking of Rand, looking at Tarvalin and then thinking of Galad, like felt like a, an appropriate natural progression. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah, so they're all riding. Uh, it's Hurin, Elaine, Varen, Egwene, and Nynaeve. And they've got Matt in a litter. And he oh, is fine, poor, my poor, poor Matt. Guy. He is not doing well. He's super not doing well. Like he's out. Is he's really completely cons- out of it. Yeah, and Egwene is really concerned. And, you know, Nynaeve is saying she's already tried to heal him and she couldn't mm-hmm. do it, uh, possibly because she doesn't have her props, which she needs to, like, access her power correctly. Yeah. And so, um, but she's not even sure she could, even if she had that. Yeah, there's, like, a little bit more back and forth about Nynaeve treating Egwene like a kid. And Egwene pushes back with, like, a little tiny barb about Lan, which was kind of funny. A little yeah. mean, but kind of funny. Um, and they're kind of talking about like Perrin and Rand and and Nineveh does that. Oh, everything went wrong when Moiraine came. And it kind of feels like everything went wrong with the Trollocs came, but I don't know. That's just me. I would put the blame on the Trollocs. Yeah, seriously. Not necessarily the person who helped save you. Um, yeah, and I think it's, there's this interesting conversation they're having because Nynaeve is sensing like a storm brewing yeah. and Hearn is smelling something, you know, dangerous and they don't know what it is. And Egwene and Nynaeve in particular have learned how to use the one power as a weapon, which mm-hmm. Aes Sedai are not supposed to do. Nope. Like, that's why it's such a big deal that the Shanchen are, you know, unintentionally masquerading as Aes Sedai and being mistaken for them because it means that everybody thinks that Aes Sedai are breaking their oaths and all of this stuff. And 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 Egwene is like, well... If something bad is coming, I'm going to defend myself. Yep. And they have this conversation about like, okay, but that could get us stilled. Like we're not supposed to. Mm-hmm. And I love this tension between Egwene's very natural trauma reaction. Yes. And I mean, Nynaeve is always just like so stubborn and convinced that she's going to do what she's going to do. But, you know, why it's such a fraught decision to make. I appreciated that. Yeah, but then you you also have this great moment of like her and kind of reckon her and 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 I think Nineveh as well and Egwene recognizing the one power won't do you much good if someone kills you before you can use it. Right. Right. It's it's just a nice stark reminder that while they are powerful and they do have this kind of like magical ability, like it's not gonna save them. As we know, they are unsafe. Right. Like Egwene was taken prisoner right. like this, like so mm-hmm. fast. Um, and so I agree with you. I like the balance of showing her reactions that are rooted in the trauma that she had because, you know, they have a little bit longer of like Matt is falling apart. There's something coming, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then I feel like from that point to the, through the next, like maybe chapter and a half, it's just like Varen telling them to shut up yes, and sit because, down. Like, the freaking white cloaks show up and yeah. then I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, Varen told you to let her do the talking. And instead, you three are constantly interjecting things that you should not be saying to this strange white cloak. Like, come on now. Like, I could understand if this was book one. But again, it's right. book three. And you yeah. have, like, Perrin dropping secrets. You have Egwene dropping secrets. And I was like, 
have you not gone through what you what we watched you go through like keep Keep your mouth shut keep your mouth freaking shut but so these these white cloaks show up and it goes very poorly because Nineveh, Egwene, and Elaine just start attacking them because they're convinced that they're going to be attacked. And Varen is like, oh my God, like, <laughs> what are you doing? Egwene lets, lets loose they, that they're coming from Toman Head and the White Cloak, who, got, who gets left behind because the rest of them just scatter, uh, is like, you killed my dad! Because yeah. <laughs> it turns out he's Bornhold's son. Um, and so I'm sure we have not seen the last of nope. this guy who is now going to be convinced I would imagine, like, I don't remember, but I, I would imagine there is some vengeance on his mind against these women that he has met and has assumed are the ones who killed his father. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but I love, I love Varen's kind of reaction to, like, uh, Nene being like, why should Egwene have thought to, like, not say anything? Like, first of all. Mm. Hmm. Second of all, I love <laughs> Varen being like, you plan for the worst and then you'll only have pleasant surprises, <laughs> because yes, be prepared for the worst so that it's always whatever happens. You're like, I got this. I can right. handle it. <laughs> uh, we also find out that through the white cloaks that um, Elaine's mother is super pissed off at Tarvalin. Yep. That there is a rift that has never been there before and we don't know why and we don't know what's going on. Um, and this is where Varen says the quote that we opened up the chapter with, because Elaine is like, but the Queen of Andor and, and I said, I have always had a connection. They've always been friendly. And Varen's like, well, weird shit's happening. Shruggy. We'll yeah. Um, then we get, like, they get into Dare. What is it? Darien? Darien? Sure. Darien, maybe? Um, which is a little town just outside of Tarvalin, and we get a map in the middle of a book. I know. For for they're there for like five minutes. Why do yeah. we need a map of this place? I was like, thanks for telling me what this looks like, but why is this the first map we're getting in the middle of this book <laughs> to give us some geographical context? I don't understand it either, personally. It was just, I was like, oh, okay. Here's a map. That's nice. Thanks. Um, and then there's some, like, unrest happening kind of in the town. Like, there, there are Tarvalin guardsmen in the town, which is unusual. Uh, people who are, like, talking back to Aes Sedai, which would never happen. Um, Egwene, again, tries to talk about like interject while Varen is talking even though we just learned that lesson right. and it's just kind of like this sort of like things are weird like that's kind of what this whole yeah. section feels like like just know that things are strange and even though like Tarvalin is Tarvalin there's something weird going on yeah um and so they finally get to the tower and Varen is like don't say anything do not talk to anybody the Amerlin will call for you or she won't, but you do not speak to anyone. And you should always like, because they're like, won't we be safe in the tower? And she's like, you should always expect trouble. Right. Yeah. She says like, you never know. You should be more careful than ever. Um, your tricks frightened away the white cloaks, but inside the tower, they may well bring you death or stilling. <gasps> yeah. It's intense. And 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 they're still obviously worried about Matt and everything feels like it's taking too long. And then Shariam comes out. And... Oh, well, we forgot to say, I guess oh. Curran left. 
Oh yeah, Hearn could not wait to leave, and like, I do not blame him. Nope, Hearn was like, "I'm out." I do love Hearn. Like he's like, "If you ever need me, he's so lovely. Word, I'll come." I'm like, oh, he's Hearn. a he's a good supporting character. I I I remembered him fondly, and I was glad to see that my remembrance was correct. Yeah, yes. he was he was nice, and and when he goes, like I love Varen being like, "No man can help where we are going now." <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yeah, so they're in the courtyard, and Shrem Sedai shows up, and she calls them runaways, and Egwene is like, hey, and Varen is like, shut, shut oh, up. stop speaking. <laughs> and it becomes clear that, you know, far from being hailed as, like, returning, you know, heroes with open arms, or like, oh, we were so afraid for you, they are in trouble, like, yep. capital T, trouble. Which you're kind of like, that's like from the reader perspective, I'm like, that's not fair. Yeah, yeah. That's not fair. Right. They were kidnapped. Well, I mean, technically they were lured out and then kidnapped. But still. But still. Yes. No. And 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 then. Well, you so know, they send, the, like, uh, Varen goes off to talk to Amerlin, the Amerlin, and she, like, a bunch of accepteds have to come and take. Uh, Nenev, Egwene, and Elaine to their rooms and then make sure that they don't speak and they don't do anything. And we get three new characters who could be important later. Who knows? One <laughs> of them sucks. Yeah. Like, Thalane seems like a real bitch. <laughs> just, just, just awful. Um, then there's Theodrin and I've already forgotten the last one's name. But yeah. is Thalane is kind of the one I think that we're supposed to... Hate on site. Hate on site. Cause she's like baiting them. She's trying, she's just like really like she hates Wilders, like Deneve is, and she has like all these ideas. And Egwene's like, that one's gonna be red, Aja. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all the rude ones are in red. <laughs> um and then we get to chapter 12, which is a Suin Sanch chapter. Well, yeah. at least leads with Suin. Um, and kind of getting this like nice parallel, I felt like, to the prologue and the head of the white cloaks with Pedro Nile mm. and kind of because we get like this deep description of her room and how like stark her belongings are against like kind of the more opulent pieces and it was just an interesting like side by side I thought of the yeah, leader of the white cloaks and the leader of um the eyes to die but obviously Suen is supposed to be meant to be much more um sympathetic yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I didn't that did not occur to me, but now that you pointed out it seems extremely clear to me. And and I like that we get her stress about the yes. situation. Like this is clearly she doesn't know who she can trust. She is trying to figure out how to handle all of this the best way she possibly can. She is super stressed out. And mm -hmm. I think, like you said, it's very humanizing. It's very sympathetic because she's referred to by everybody else as this like stone faced, badass bitch yep. who will, you know, glare you into submission. But like, she's a person with feelings and worries and stress. Like that's, you know, she has a lot of power. And as we know, with great power comes great and responsibility. Great responsibility. <laughs> And she yep. feels that. She feels that really deeply. So I love this bit of character building that we get. Yeah, because we also get to see like she's having to make conscious decisions at a at what feels like a much more fraught level, despite the similar circumstance of, of Moiraine, which is mm -hmm. kind of the only other place we've seen 
similar experiences. Yeah. Um, but she's the head of the Aes Sedai where you have, you know, she and Varen have this whole conversation where Varen tells him, you know, Rand has pronounced himself the Dragon Reborn and Suen is glad. And we find out that the false dragons who did exist are, the pattern has taken care of them, yeah. essentially. <laughs> They're like, captured. One was killed. Mazerm Tame was captured. Um, and it, we have these moments where, like, Suen has to figure out what to do when all these different things are going wrong. Like there were, we find out that there were people murdered in the white tower and that we, they don't know what happened. They don't know how it's going on or um, what's going on. And then she finds out that they brought the horn of Valir with them. And Mm -hmm. Suen is like, what? (laughs) Supposed to stay with Rand. And then there's this very like uncomfortable conversation where Varen is like, actually, Matt Cowthen blew the horn and he's here and he's dying. And if he dies, that connection is severed and someone else can blow the horn. And they're just kind of like, hmm. a lot of people going to die before we're done. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Kill Matt. I'm going to be real mad. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's really. And I just I just want to also say that. So Swan is like, she's like, we know that she's a poor fisherman's daughter kind of situation. And all of her metaphors (laughs) are fish related. And it's so entertaining to me. Like there's this part where, you know, they're they're talking about like whether or not to let Matt die like you do. And then Varen is also like, by the way, the Shanshin, like I have all these notes about it. And she says, you are worrying about a lionfish out in the sea of storms while here and now the silver pike are chewing our nuts to shreds. Uh, And then Varen's like, oh, you know, I saw a lionfish once. I mean, it's just so, it cracked me up. It was a nice moment. No, it's great. It's a great moment. And it's great when like she has to, like she's using that as part of her decision-making process. Yeah. Right, it it really turns her into a human being versus this like the Amerlin suit, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so then we have this like we get back to Egwene and there, she's like in her room, and we remember she has that like hole drilled into the wall to Elaine's room so they can chat. Um, and they have this moment, this like really lovely conversation of Varen talking about Varen talking about Moiraine talking about how the Aes Sedai are so controlling and puppet masters and like what what will happen if they try to still her and she's like oh I'm gonna run I'm gonna fight like they are not taking this away from me and Elaine was like like I love the moment when Egwene says you'll come with me if it comes to that and Elaine was like I am not gonna be stilled (laughs) I will not be and it's just this, like, really nice moment of friendship and conversation between these two girls that I really liked. It's funny. I had a very different reaction to that comment. Really? I was like, oh, y'all are stressing me out. Like, you're talking about, it. like, getting stilled and going on the run and, like, how you're going to fight. And I'm just like, oh, like, I just want you to be safe. And, like, I, I, I mean, obviously, I know that's not going to happen. Like, <laughs> you, they are deeply unsafe and will continue to be so for, like, 14 <laughs> more books. But... <laughs> I found that conversation extremely stressful, but I I hear you. It is nice to see their friendship in action. I loved it. I was like, yeah, girlfriends. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, all right. <sighs> so then, then the awful accepted comes in and they get taken to the Amerlin. Um, and I love like foul lane tries to like, Oh yeah. Like, like tell on them. And yeah. Suen's like, uh, uh-uh. uh, <laughs> or Leanne, sorry, not Suen. Leanne's like, uh, keep your tongue in your mouth. Yeah. Go go tell Sherry and Sadai you need to be punished. Right. It's um, amazing. But, <laughs> so they go in. I feel like this is this whole this whole sequence, this whole conversation between all of them is like bananas. Yeah, it is bananas. Right? Mm-hmm. Like they come in and then Elaine just kind of is like, Leandrin's black gotcha. Right. <laughs> and someone's like, we know. We get it. And so it turns out that 12 of them left, right? Yeah. Oh, no, 13 plus, total. Yeah, I was going to say Leandrin plus 12, which we know is like a significant number. Yeah. So 13 total left. And they stole a bunch of like, like they stole Angriel and Cy Angriel. Um, no, no, and, no, no. Oh, no. no, no they no. Just, they, they got the Tear Angriel. Angriel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They stole Tear Angriel. And they don't like, including pieces that the White Tower doesn't even know how to use. Right. And everyone's like, oh, well, that's not good. Right. Like, like that's not great at all. Um, but I love Egwene's reaction is why did they take things no one knows how to use? Like, I love how smart she is in that moment of like, well, that's an important question to ask. Right. Mm-hmm. And then so <laughs> Nene kind of is like, why are you treating us like shit? Like, this right. wasn't our fault. And this I disagreed with intensely. Like, because they were lured and Suen, the Amarillin is basically being like, even if we like, like switch you, even if we like give you all these things, like it, do you want to still kind of continue to be Aes Sedai because we need women who will whatever, right? And they're like, yes, I want to. And then the Amarillin is like, <laughs> letting yourselves be winkled out of the tower like thoughtless children, even an infant would have never fallen into that trap, which I call bullshit. I mean, I call bullshit because they have told us that they are serious about the hierarchy in the White Tower. Well, that's true. It's true. I think, though, as we have seen, that Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine don't care actually that much about hierarchy. Like, the reason they left wasn't because Leandrin told them to. It was because she said that if they didn't, bad things would happen to Rand like yes they were they were not following orders they were trying to save Rand which is you know but but also they did not have reason to disbelieve Leandrin right because she's eyes to die because they it has been hammered into their heads that you listen to the eyes to die yes like period you do not question if one of them says something to you right Right. And that to me, I was like, that's that's not fair. I also think that this rationale that nobody in the White Tower can know that they left with Leandrin because then they'll be suspected of being dark friends is a little suspect because yes. like what? Like I I mean, also the fact that they're keeping all of this on the deal like they're not telling anyone the truth about any of this i know like they're covering up the whole thing which like don't we just know that that is a huge mistake like 
that never works. It never works. It never, it never works. ever works. And it's like, you can't control it. You no. can't, you can't control everything. And you have to like, you have to get ahead of the narrative. Yeah. right. That's the key. <laughs> like you need to be real about the narrative and then mm-hmm. shape it to your own purposes, not try to like pretend that shit never happened. So I think it's pretty clear that she's making a number of mistakes in this section. But yeah, the upshot of it is, is that they're going to be publicly punished. Mm-hmm for running away quote unquote and they're not allowed to tell anyone what really happened but they are going to be so elaine and Egwene are going to be raised to accept it yeah because they are so powerful that they can't stay as novices basically yeah um so like they're going to be punished and they're going to be doing all these things but i'm very excited to see i imagine we're going to um Egwene's test in the same way we saw Nanae's like I'm very mm. very excited to, to sit through Egwene's accepted test I don't know about Elaine I can't I don't think we I don't it's been so long I don't I don't think we. Get I don't think she's that. had enough character development yeah to, I agree to, I also to yeah don't care uh, uh, I, about I, her test about her test yeah 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 fair enough fair enough I yeah I agree I am super excited to see Egwene's test so okay so then so then uh she then emerlyn sends elaine and leanne her keeper out of the room mm-hmm. and is like bt dubs nine and Egwin, you are gonna hunt the block aja for me and they're like say what now <laughs> yes but before that wait 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 really quick we we find out that morgay refused to bring Alada with oh, her right. when she left which is a big deal it's it's further proof of that rift that we heard tell of but now we're getting like the actual ramifications, which is Morgaes has left Elada behind. So Elada is in Tarvalin. And somehow Gowan and Galad managed to convince their mom that they should stay. But we don't we don't know how yet. So Well, I think I thought the implication, and maybe this is I'm jumping ahead, but I thought the implication was that they were there to like Well, we find out later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We find out later. But in this moment, yeah, the yeah. Emerlin is like Somehow <laughs> they did that. <laughs> right. Uh, and we know that the queen left a letter for Elaine. Yeah. And she, because she wants Elaine back in the castle as soon as is humanly possible. And Sue and kind of is, the Amberlin is like, don't worry, that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's going to go yeah. poorly at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because Elaine was kind of like, no, I want to be an Aes Sedai. I don't want to go. Yeah. And the Amaralyn is like, don't worry. It's going to be fine. And then we get this whole thing where right. the Amaralyn keeps Nineveh and Egwene and is like, I need you to hunt the Black Aja and Dark Friends. Like, what? <laughs> what? WTF? Basically, like, it, it's this great, I like, this whole conversation is great. Like, the Emerlin is kind of like, look, I'm raising you to accept it, but just an FYI, like this is here's here's the downside. Right. And there's this moment where Egwene kind of sees, and this is interesting because I don't know if the Emerlin is wants her to see this wavering and this this humanness mm, up from her, mm-hmm. or if it is specific because. It seems very in line with Suen's character to be like, I'm going to let a little bit of this out mm. to convince this girl this is the right thing to do so that she feel there is some like 
measure of understanding that I need help. Basically, I don't. I don't, I don't know. know. My understanding of her character is more that if Egwene reads it, it's because Egwene is real sharp and not because I don't Swan know. is trying to manipulate her feelings in that way. Like, because doesn't it seem like so in line with how the Amaralyn operates? It's, no, she it's just like, like tells people to do shit. She does, but she's very thoughtful about how she does it and what she's saying and the way it is presented. I think she's careful, but I don't think she is... I don't know. All the talk of like Egwene noticing like puppetry and I I feel like it's it could be both. Yeah. Like I'm I more, get, I'm more like, on the side of it's not intentional on Swan's part, but I take your point. I don't know. I feel like it's intentional. Like because the she has such a strong re- reaction to it. Like the Amerlin was strength personified for all her own raw power. The woman on the other side of the table had the knowledge and experience to wind her wind her around a spindle. To see her suddenly wavering, like a girl who knew she had to dive deep headfirst into a pond without any idea of how deep it was or whether there were rocks or mud at the bottom, to see that chilled Egwene right to her core. And you're like, that is such a strong reaction that it makes me feel like it was deliberate mm. because such a big ask. Oh, and then like the Emerlin has this thing, is like, it's a question of who I can trust. Should I be able to trust Leanne and Sheriam? Do I dare Varen? I already trust Varen with more than my life, but how far can I take it? Moiraine? I have always believed I could trust Moiraine. And you're like, ah! There's so many, so many secrets, so many, like, so much angst, so much potential for harm. Yeah. With every new person who knows these secrets, it's like, oh God, my anxiety is through yeah. the roof. No, extremely high, extremely high. Oh. Man. Yeah, it's intense. It is all very in- extremely intense. So, right. So she, she, they agree to this. They're like, well, uh. Nanave agrees almost like, kind of is like, well, we have to do it. Right. And Egwene hesitates a little bit. Yeah. And Egwene is a little surprised that, like, Nanave is so ready. Like, Egwene's like, I would be useless. Like, how, how will I, I have all these other things I have to do. How can I do this? Which I was a little, because I was same, like, they're accepted. Right. How are they supposed to get into the places they need to be, ask the questions they need to ask? Like, it's it's just kind of like the Amaralyn is like, I said you have to do it, so you have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. Within the, the structure that exists. And I'm not, at the most I can do for you is give you these letters, but use them sparingly. Yeah. Yeah, so she does. She gives them these, like, sort of get-out-of-jail-free notes that says whatever the bearer does is done at my order and by authority. Okay, but wait. So to my point about Ah. the Amaralyn being deliberate in the way she did it is, so (laughs) Egwene, like, Nineveh is basically, like, you can do it. Like, you are not, you're not a girl. Like I have myself, I myself have said you're a woman, but I suppose I did not really believe it inside. Girl, I know woman, woman, I hope you realize you've climbed into a pickling cauldron with me and the fire may be lit. And I know it. Egwene was proud that her voice hardly shook at all. The Amaralyn smiled as if pleased, but there was something in her blue eyes that made Egwene suspect she had known what their decisions would be all along. For an instant, she felt those puppeteer strings on her arms and legs again. Mm, That's why mm. I feel it was deliberate. Fair enough. Fair enough. Just She's just playing them. 
I, it feels like it feels like she yeah. knows how to play them and has played them. Yeah. Um, and then she kind of is like, Varen, if I must trust someone, it may as well be her. She knows she knows as much as I already and maybe more. Varen will give you all that is known of Leandrin and the other. So Varen's going to know that Egwene and a neighbor doing this. So Amarlin knows and Varen knows, but like Le- Leanne doesn't know. Moiraine doesn't know unless there's some way that Siri right. can tell her. <gasps> it's stressful. It's extremely it stressful. So stressful. Yep. These chapters are so stressful and they're so much better than the last section. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like so much happened. So they get this order, they get these, these like letters. And I did love this moment of like, Nave's like, I could do anything. <laughs> like, I, I could do anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. Right. But I, I would could. never. But I could. <laughs> I'm just saying I could. Um, and then they ask about Matt because we still don't know where that conversation went with Varen. Yeah. Um, they ask about Matt and the Emerald's like, I'll send word to you. <laughs> but not promising one way or the other. And you're like, oh, well, that's not going to be good. Yeah. Um, and then there's this like assassination attempt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In fact, there is. They're going back to their rooms to, you know, talk about all of this. And they are, all, like, a queen almost gets a crossbow bolt in the head. Yep. And Nynaeve, like, helps her, you know, escape it. But it gets, like, her ear. And, and able to use the trick that the Amberlin used against her. Yes! And hold the dude in like kind of like uh, a in like a ball of air, basically. Yeah. Um, because she's that good and she's that powerful, which I love. And they get there, and the guy has been stabbed in the chest already. Yeah. So that means there were at least two people involved. Mm-hmm. And um, Sherryum shows up as they come across this guy. And they kind of were like, we just found him here. Right. It wasn't, we, just, we don't know. We just found we him. Know, we don't know. Yeah. Um, and the name kind of like pushes back a little bit and starts like kind of trying to like needle some questions to share. Like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Which of course goes about as well as you can expect. <laughs> um, and we found out it's the, it's a gray man. It's one of the soulless, like the assassins that are sent. Which uh, we heard about when they were all back in the valley uh, uh-huh. from Perrin and Moiraine talking about, you know, these assassins that you wouldn't even know they were there. So, like, I think, I don't know that, I mean, that was a conversation with different people. So, yes. I don't know what Nynaeve and Egwene's, uh knowledge of that was before now. But now they have encountered one in real life. And it's terrifying. Horrifying. Um, Also, he's dead mysteriously. Yeah, he's mysteriously has been killed. Um, Egwene tries to get back to her place, to her, her, where they were to get her cloak, uh, like under the guise of getting her cloak to get the cross shot, like the the arrow out. Yeah. So that no one knows that they were involved. And when she gets there, it's gone. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is also scary. (laughs) she notices that the crossbow is nowhere to be found. Yep. So, like... WTF. Again. So there's all of that happening. She comes back and Nineveh is like kind of trying to be like meek, but really just looks like sour faced. Um, and so finally they are like, Sherryam like dismisses them to go back to, they decide to go to Nineveh's room. But I love the end of this of like, <laughs> did you notice what Sherryam did not mention? No, what? She never wondered who stabbed him. 
now come on. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> you guys it's, are going to be so good at being dark friends. I was just going to say, it's very like Nancy drew the Tarvalin edition. Yes, it's so <laughs> cute. I love it. Only with assassination. Yeah. Um, so they get to the name's room and like Elaine, Gallant, and Gowan are just like hanging out in there, which I guess if you're royal, like what do you care about borders? <laughs> whatever we've colonized this space <laughs> they are extremely intrusive and Gallant yes. is being all gallant and like hitting on Egwene I loved I loved all of this like <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I felt this again to me felt like very very natural because like <laughs> I, I feel like Egwene's like oh man Gallant's so hot <laughs> like she's just been trying like like He's so handsome that even though she's just almost been assassinated, yeah. she's so distracted. She's like, what if I was wearing this really tight dress? <laughs> and then she has this moment of like, oh, my God, if you could picture what I'm thinking, I would die. And I'm like, girl, you just almost died. Right. <laughs> Hormones, man. They're powerful. And and Nanave kind of handles this so well. Like she's like very like curt with them. Uh Gowan has a moment where he like directs what he's saying to Nanave. Like she hasn't she said one word so far, and he's like, Nanave, Gallon and I are not villains. We just want to help. And so <laughs> Nanave's like, Oh, I bet you guys didn't get permission to be in here. Yeah. <laughs> and Gallon tries to like smile at her yes. and like <laughs> This whole section where he's like trying to use his charms and she's like, I'm going to count to three. You have until three. And so he's like, oh, I apologize to Dave. We'll go, of course. But remember, we're just here if you need us. And she smiles back at him and goes, one. Yeah, it's so good. I was like, it's you're the best. It's a great moment. It's a great Yeah, when she's moment. like, three. Yeah. And, they, like, just, and like, they're like run running the out the door. door. Yeah. <laughs> And then it turns out she lied the whole thing. Like, like they were like, we didn't know they needed approval. And she's like, they don't. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. So they have like a little bit of a conversation where Elaine is trying to be like, Gallad, I get it, but go for Gowan, man. Gallad is gonna, he is so righteous that he will hurt you in the process of being righteous. Yeah. Which I, I feel like is going to come back. Yep. feel yep, like yep. that's going to end badly at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And then <sighs> there's this whole, like, reveal that maybe Gowan has a crush on Egwene, too. I know. I was like, like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and Elaine's like, then... marry Gowan. Be yeah. my sister. <laughs> and then Nynaeve tells Elaine. Yeah. That they have been assigned to hunt the Black Aja. And Elaine freaks out, as is only appropriate. It's awesome. Like, yeah. Egwene's like, what are you doing? And Nineveh's like, we need some. Nineveh is so smart in this moment. Yeah. She's like, we need somebody involved who no one knows is involved. Mm-hmm. Like, we need to have a secret partner, essentially, which I really, really appreciated. And Elaine kind of is like, I, I liked Elaine's reaction, too, because she is very headstrong. She's very, like, kind of naive with stuff. Uh, but she's like, I am afraid. Like, I, I'm not a fool. Like, I am... I am afraid, but I am not afraid enough to quit before I've even been a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they kind of talk about Matt 
Yeah. And are like, they might let Matt die. Like, they haven't actually said they're going to heal him. They haven't said anything. We have to look kind of between the lines of what they say and what they don't say. Uh, And I liked this moment where Nene's like, maybe I I can heal him. Or maybe we can heal him. Or maybe we can heal them. But (laughs) they're like, Moiraine and Viren together couldn't do it. Moiraine had an angry on Nene. If you draw too much of the one power, you could burn yourself to a cinder or just steal yourself if you're lucky, if you can call that luck. And I love this reaction. Nene shrugged. They keep telling me I have the potential to be the most powerful Aes Sedai in a thousand years. Maybe it's time to find out if they're right. And I was like, you're the best. <laughs> um, and so they're kind of deciding to try this together somehow. They and don't know how. They're just going to try to figure it we're, out. Like we're going to go do it right now. And then the door opened and an Aes Sedai entered as though it was her room and they were interlopers. Egwene made her curtsy deep to hide the dismay on her face. Dun, dun, dun. And then it ends. This is a this is a moment. Like, it was a little bit of a chore to start reading this section because I was so, like, not into all of the of the last section. Yeah. But this time I was like, oh, I want to keep going. <laughs> I want to I keep going. I want them to heal Matt. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I was... As I was prepping, I was thinking about how there's not actually so much that happens plot-wise, but the character development is so strong. I and there's a lot that happens plot-wise. Well, I think there's foundational. Like, a lot of stuff is... is the foundation is being laid for a bunch of things. Yes, but Like, decisions are, are being made. You know, choices are being made. Mm-hmm. So it's not... And, you know, obviously, assassination attempt and, you know, white cloaks. But... It's it's more about the story is actually moving because you see people making Make choices, choices and yeah. preparing for things that are going to happen yes. next. But it's still active choices being yes. made versus like four chapters of I, just yes. complaining. Agree, agree, agree. <sighs> yeah, it's like we're back to the pace that we're kind of used to with him. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I still, I'm so confounded by the, by those by that the, the first part of this book i'm just like so confused yeah yeah um but i guess i guess that's it yeah <laughs> so we will be back keep keep an eye out for future episodes every other wednesday next time we will be talking about chapters 17 through 24 of dragon reborn and you can find all the conversation and and all of that at hashtag Tarvalon or Bust, usually on Twitter for the most part, though on occasion on Tumblr and Instagram. And also speaking of conversations, we do check in regularly with our Patreon supporters and have some conversations going on over there. And we want to give a huge thank you to our supporters, David Yu, Amy R, Maradim, Mimi K, Amanda, Mark D, Heather J, Christina M, Malia H, Keith, Sarish G, Olivia K, Joshua S, Nicholas E, Michelle S, Michelle D, Danae, Destination Toast, Cat S, Sabre Bouquet, Thomas K, Elizabeth F, Emily, Ola J, Yulia S, and Brian D. And if you would like to join those conversations and help support the show, it's our level is a dollar. We're just trying to get enough to cover our server costs. And we so appreciate everybody who's already chipped in. But you can find us there at patreon.com slash or bust. And we have a huge thank you to Brian Dunn, fellow Wheel of Time 
fan, and musician who created the amazing intro and outro tracks for this podcast. You can find more of his work at briandunmusic.net. That's Brian with a Y and Dunn with two N's. And if you are enjoying the show, please do leave us a review and or a rating on the podcast platform of your choice. It helps other folks to find the show. We super appreciate it. And we might read it out loud on the show. Maybe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, and then in between shows, you can find us other places. Preezy, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok at Run With Skizzers. Um, you can also find my books uh, at prefeaturebird.com. We're not posting this uh, episode today, clearly, but we are recording on Star Wars Day. So if you like Star Wars, I have two Star Wars books that you can pick up. Uh, Jedi You Will Be, which is a picture book um, about Yoda training Luke. And I have a story in Star Wars The Clone Wars, Stories of Light and Dark. Exciting. Oh, you can find that preetheechipper.com. I don't know if I said that, but I think I did. You all should also check out Preeti's May the 4th Twitter because she's doing <laughs> a day in the life of Baby Yoda and it's amazing. <laughs> He's been very active today. <laughs> He's had a real good day. It's extremely good. Uh, let's see. You can find me on Instagram at I am Jen IRL. That's I A M J E N N I R L. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Jen IRL. Uh, you can pre-order the mm -hmm. anthology that I edited with our good friend Swapna Krishna of Desi Geek Girls, which is Preeti's, one of Preeti's other podcasts, uh, which is all Arthurian retellings. And Preeti has an amazing story in it alongside lots of other extremely amazing writers that's called sword stone table and you have an event coming up oh my god we do have an event coming up that's true so in may on the 15th our very first event is a pre-publication conversation as part of the 215 festival which is a local philadelphia literary arts festival so like philly pride and we're going to be in conversation with our buddy Eric Smith, who is a good friend of all of ours. He's the he's great. So we're super excited about that. Details for that are in my link tree on Instagram. If you are so inclined, you can look it up there. Um. So this episode is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the Wheel of Time, but it is an ending. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>